0: Hi there, and thanks for listening to Shimsa Tira's very first podcast series, Sounds Like Folk. My name is Joanne Barry, and I am the Repertory Director with the National Folk Theatre at Sheemsa Tira. My involvement with Shimsa began as a nine-year-old child, and I've been working with the company as a performer, teacher and all-round folky for the last 15 years. Despite the current restrictions, the creative impulse to swap our stories and engage with our audiences remains. I hope you enjoy this new way of Bohan tiyacht, or gathering together, allowing a window into Shimsatira, which itself was born from a coming together of like-minded people, a place where ideas and stories are celebrated. Today on the last episode of this current series, I'm delighted to be chatting to my friend, my colleague, and Sheem Satira's Artistic Director, Jonathan Kelleher. I hope you enjoy the chat. So today we are joined by my friend, colleague, and the Artistic Director of Sheem Satira, the National Folk Theatre, Jonathan Kelleher. Good morning, Jonathan.
1: Good morning, Joe. How are you?
0: I'm well, thanks. Uh, so we're going to get stuck in and maybe go back to the start of the long career that you've had with Satira, a long association and go back to your beginnings as a dancer um and after that then joining the company full time
2: how long is this going to take um <laughs> <laughs> there's a there is a lot there Joe. um i suppose in one sense um because it does go back a long way um yeah I, 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 even before before my involvement with in i suppose there was um the, the beginnings of 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 where I ended up really started at home when I was, when I was, when I was young, um, the household itself, I suppose, without, without being one of these mad, amazing trad houses, do you mean, um, look, certainly traditional music and singing and dance would, would, would always be part of it and part of of my childhood. Um, my mother would have, would have danced, would have been a dancer to a certain extent. Um, and she would have taught me some steps. Um, and funny enough, only, only was it last year we were sitting down chatting and, she said that she had learned some steps from Phil and Sean Cahill, who would be pupils of the North Carey style, like, such as. and I, I never even knew that, I knew she'd, she'd dance and things like that, but never even knew that. Um, my father and dad dad would have been, look, he was, he was always singing, he was one of these guys, he was the the, the go-to man at all the parties, all the family gatherings, like that. Now it wouldn't be a, a traditional like Oscar singing, man like that, but certainly folk songs and the rebel songs and, and all this, like so he was he was the man that always kind of got got things going. Um. With the tradition as well, I had lots of I had lots of other connections, I suppose, in different ways. I had um, I had a grand uncle. Um, he would be uh, a well-known accordion player out in out North in Kerry, um, Paddy Kelleher, he Kelleher, his name was. And I remember him, uh, he, he would play He played the accordion. He's been our house sometimes. He played this particular tune. I remember this is very young and the, the Beggar Man was the, the tune. And then he break into the song about it and halfway through, then he'd sit up and he'd dance a hornpipe. While playing the accord as well so he, he kind of had all the, the the elements in one but all these things and um i a sister of his actually with a aunt of mine lil mcavoy um she was a Munich's pupil um mm-hmm. as well no she was she was in in new york all her life like and she'd be home now and again and so i never really got a chance to learn anything off her like with the odd time like don't we're just messing around like but but that was it um from there then really things were just kind of started when i went to school when i went to primary school the local school drum club school and um we a great really great teacher there uh, miss o'connor we used to know her, mary magella o'connor um as it turns out she's the principal there now at the moment um but she she was really into the whole singing side of it and and, and the theatre side of it and, all, and she would teach us sing, singing songs was was part of the daily class like do you mean and again we all would all be in these folk songs yes. do you mean so again, at a young age, this was being instilled into, it. and then of course we had uh, um, the dance master, the local dance master Jimmy Hickey, who travelled around to all the schools. He would come in once a week, teach us dancing. Mm-hmm. So really, I suppose without without even knowing it or realising it, you were kind of steeped in that in that in that culture from a very very young age, and it was it was very very natural. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, where the shame side kicks in then was. Um, as you say, it was a long time ago. Yeah, it was uh I think it was, uh, was that a 70, late 79 or 80. I think it was yeah, I think it could have been late 79, around September 79. Um, I auditioned for the train center in Finoog, which was literally three miles down the road, like so it was again very local to to, to me. Um, and was lucky enough to 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 get in there. And there for the three years that I would have trained under 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 Pattern himself, Aidan O'Carroll. Um, Mary Didi, Dee, Curtin, God rest him, um, Jimmy Smith, Pat Hannafin, and McAuliffe, all these these, these people that would have, would have had involvement with Seamsef. So I would have trained with them um, for the three years, um, doing music, song, dance, drama, mime, all of that. Uh, we put on little summer shows in the talk every summer, uh, I would have been part of those as well for, for years. And then I would have been one of the luckier ones, I suppose, that would have graduated from that into the big, the big theatre, yeah. the, the big, the big hall, as, 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 Joe Murphy and Les calls it, the big hall in truly, um, I would have, grad, I would have, I would have been lucky enough to, to, to get, get through that and get to that stage. So, um, yeah, it's look, look plays an awful lot of part of it in, in the way, it, and like, I was only talking about this recently with someone like, you know, like a lot of things have happened mm. that's, that have been that have been very lucky in that sense because my audition, even my audition was lucky because I had I had a brother and sister who were in the Takshimsa before me. My sister had actually finished that stage. but my brother was in there he was probably in his third year or something. And um he's my brother was, was quite good in Paris like that and he'd done a lot with with, with, with as well at that stage. And uh, when I was young the auditions were usually in around the end of September, which nearly always collided with the Listowel races i mean now if you're from that side of the county yeah. Listowel races is the BI. school doesn't really start until after the races yes because like you're back to school in september and then you're off that week again so like a couple of weeks before it doesn't start yeah. so what the auditions were for due to be going on anyway and uh it happened twice actually i think um there was there was one year i was supposed to be auditioning and of course we were all offside in the races i completely forgot about the audition, so that was that year right? <laughs> and the next year the same thing happened and my mother got got on and she rang I think it was Anne Kennelly at the time and said look he missed the audition to give us the story and and Anne came back and said look uh, I was talking to to, to father Patrick and the classes are starting next week they'll come down and he'll audition him there yes. so I went in um, this was full of course and I went into in the room and, and, and pat Hearn was there and he literally played three notes on the piano and asked me to sing them i sang him he this that's fine he says go out and join the class wow. I mean, that, that was it i didn't have to dance i didn't have to sing a song nothing i think it was because i had an older brother and sister in there so sure. he kind of said okay look there might be something here right so we'll we'll, we'll bring him in so again very very lucky very you know I mean? very lucky in that sense um and yeah i suppose look we'd be lucky all down through through life and 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 to getting where where we've where we've come to like you mean as I said there, we was, we was on these summer shows in the in the talk every summer for local people and some tours coming in. But there was always a part of it where, where Morris Corton used to kind of say, okay, we'll we'll open up now to the audience. And if they want to sing a song or play a tune or dance a step or something like that, they will. And uh, there was this there was this one. in the meantime, what I had been doing at home um is um I don't know who had it, but there was an old record of the Shanaki, Eamon Kelly okay you mean he to tell all the stories you yes, mean yes. um and he actually has a connection to north kerry as well like his his wife is from, from from the north kerry side as well but we used to we listening to these stories and i had learned a couple of them and there was one of them in particular was called the earl of banmore that's where i'm from you sure. mean yeah and there was this one night below at, at 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 the talk and uh it was probably my third year actually and maurice said like was there anyone else in the audience that wants to um do something, and there was no one. And every now and then, Morris turned around, he could say, well, does anyone of our own ones to do it? So, up I get, of course, <laughs> out in the middle, brazen out. And I told the story, the, the Shanaki story, like, no, in, the, in that kind of a style, like guess brilliant. And uh, it went down very well, first, like that. And Morris was on to me after, and he said, Oh, that was brilliant, like that. Signs by the next week, Patter Hernan was out watching the show, like, and oh. I mean, and like a couple of weeks later, I was lucky enough then to get into tree, Like I mean, so it was those little kind of turning points that, I yeah. mean, I yeah. suppose in one sense when you take take a little risk, and you take a chance, yeah. it can, it can,
0: and was there can a happen, moment, like, Was there ever, was there a moment maybe when you were telling that story, you know, where you were like, okay, this, this is, this feels good, or I'm good at this, or, because I think you, un, you, you don't play it a lot when it comes to, when you use the word luck, there's a lot of talent involved too, from you, but Was there a moment where you went, Oh God, this is enjoyable? Or I especially when the audience are brought in to see these shows?
2: Yeah. So so yeah, there certainly would be, I suppose, that. But again, like I would have been young, I'd been like 10, 11 years of age. Like so I probably didn't resonate as much at that at that stage.
1: Yes.
2: Um and and like to be honest, like in in when I was in Fanoog as well, because look, I, I know after that like no i'd be probably not more more known now as a dancer than, than kind of anything else like that. Okay. what at the time like no that was the weakest thing i had like i barely could do my jump two trees when i came out for do that was that was it like do you know I mean um and so i suppose i had to kind of draw on other things as well to, sure. to be part of the shows. like so a lot when a lot of the parts i was doing the shows were kind of character parts okay. do you mean more than than, than yes. dancer parts like do you mean like yeah. and yeah.
1: um
2: but but those moments yeah like I don't know. I, I suppose, like it, ne- it never kind of really daunted me either, to 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 do those things. It would have been, as I said earlier, would have been part of of growing up as well, and like family gatherings and things. You know I mean where you'd you'd be doing this kind of stuff? It would have been the first time I would have actually told a story in public like that. Certainly. Yes.
0: Yeah. But
2: um, I would have done it at home quite a lot. You know I mean?
0: I think, and so, the fact so that, that sense, like that. I think the fact that it stands out for you as well, maybe as you said, without realizing it, it was like a like a smaller pivotal moment or or moment that that sticks out in your memory. But it's lovely that you that it that it came so natural because it was part of growing up. And then you talk about going into the big, we'll say that we call what we used to call the Monday Night Class, which was the advanced class that we all remember going into. And you obviously spent a couple of years there. And at what point then did this become um, you know, your 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 job or your career? Do you remember when that you were asked or you or you applied for the job? Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, I don't think I ever applied for any job. That's the funny thing, <laughs>
1: yeah. um
2: yeah, look, I I always I always enjoyed it, obviously, going going through school and all I guess. And again, look, I, I, I put it down to kind of be at the right place at the right time too. Um I when when I was when I was younger, obviously when I came into the the the, the Monday night class then and like I, I, it was, I think it was around 1984, I would have first performed in the season, the summer season, as we knew it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and in order to come in to do the shows, then Martin Whelan, who was our, our, our general manager at the time, like Martin lived in Phinewg and like he literally passed close by where I lived in Barmore, coming to Tralee. So I would go down to the, to, the, to the road, the end of the road and Martin would pick me up and off into the show and back out again, do you know what I mean? Um, and then over a couple of a couple of summers, um, Martin had asked me to come in and uh, help out doing some work, some like in my summer holidays from school, um, doing some work in the theatre. Um, and one, of, one, again, one of the ones that, that that stands out for me was in, I think it was eighty six or eighty seven. Um, Shamsa were going to the Dublin Theatre Festival and performing in the um, the Olympia actually, and there was two shows going at the time. And the old original show for though for though was, was was going to be part of it. So the set needed to be revamped and it was going to actually be extended. There was extension being put onto the, the cottage to take it to Dublin. And uh Lona Morn was the set designer from and she was down from, from Dublin doing it, and she was there over the summer doing a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. So I was brought in, and my job was helping her okay. doing the set. Okay. Um so doing all the carving of the airboard, like the old style carving the airboard. And I spent a summer with, with, with Lauren doing that and and the other thing was um and i'm sure you've heard this story before but martin martin whelan had a love of um going to the bog and cutting the turf and and all this you know. mm-hmm. and uh again like because i'm from i'm I'm from a real a real rural part like and going to the bog again was another chore that was that had, that had that was done every year like again sort of second nature like it was it was, it was, yeah. it was again one of those things that was that was, was just done do you mean so mark would often ask me like no can we We'll go, to the, we'll go to the bog and we'll turn the turf or we'll do this like a, uh, But because Martin was obviously working full-time at Jameson, and, and looking you know the demands on that road, yes. so Martin would often want to go very early in the morning before work. Okay. So it could be like at first light, like five, six o'clock in the morning, Martin could pick me up and pick me up and then on the way, the bog was actually on the way as well, go up <laughs> to the, the turf, and then back into, into Tralee and I would have been working in the theatre okay. at that time in the summer. Back in, have a shower, and you're ready for your day's work. And you could be there then until after the show that night until half till 11 o'clock. Do you I mean? So it's quite a long day. Yeah. But um, we are above there one morning, um, and this had been in in, in 1989. And one morning, um, and just the two of us there out in out in the the, the bog, a lovely lovely morning, summer's morning. And Martin said to me, he says, you know, there's um there's a a, a job coming up in October, I think, was, um in the core company. Is this, is this something you'd be interested in? Mm. And uh like again, I, I hadn't that kind of thing hadn't even entered my head at that stage. Mm. So it's kind of gets, you know sure, we we'll give it a go, like you know? Yeah. And uh and we did. <laughs> you were
0: there since.
2: <same. laughs> and we're still we're still stuck in there. <laughs> you know still
0: giving it a go, Johnny. Um,
2: <laughs> yeah, still giving it a go. Still giving it not still not sure what we're doing, but giving oh. it a go, anyway. Yeah, <laughs> so, I
1: know. Um
2: again just one one of those moments like know where you're just in the as like right place right time um and that's the way it happened
1: yeah
0: and the early the early days in the core group like i i often think back you know it must have been so exciting because it was so new and it was so um you know you were young you were you were working in the arts you were a salaried person in the arts you were getting to tour you were getting to do what you love it must have been just so exciting
2: one of the one of the really great things at that time was, I suppose, like yeah, there was like I would have been the youngest coming in at that. But I, I was what seventeen, I think, um, when I when I came in, and there was a few of the lads that were there that were there since 1984, 85, that when when the whole thing started, yes. and um, there was time. Yeah. Do you know I mean we? Everyone had time. Like I mean, there was days, and like you look back and you say, like, no, like why are we doing that? But it was so, so important. Like there was days you'd be sitting on the table chatting and chatting about different things like ever like that, and chatting about the shows and chatting about the arts and chatting about this and chatting about that and you might get up and you'd say oh, we'll will you try this or try that you had so much space and room and time to try these things for me and when you look back at it now yeah i said like, geez i mean that was so 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 important
1: to, yeah to have
2: that and not have the pressure of producing all the time yes I mean now all that had to be done too because there was a season to be done those classes to be done and there was new work to be done that was all part of it too but you just had that little bit more time to do it but um yeah the, all, the excitement that was was certainly there and then of course I was like in in 1989 I came in and literally then probably the that year or maybe even the next year I guess. The building of the new theater would have started. Mm. Do you know I mean so? It was all in around that time, like, and and then we were del- delving straight into creating a new show for that, the opening of that theater. Um, and like that new show started in the old building,
0: that's right. I remember it.
2: Like, yeah. We, we're yeah, you would have, yeah, like we rehearsed it. Um, and I remember uh, taking I was part of like, like again, you just chip in and do everything. I was part of there, like, where we we're ripping all the old seats out of the auditorium, yeah. Um, myself and myself and Jimmy Cool, another 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 North carry man, yes. had to go around. Then one day, because there was all these little 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 um, bolts sticking out of the ground, there was four bolts in every in every um every seat. Like, and we had to go around with hammers and we just beat them into the ground so that we could use the whole space
0: yeah. for rehearsals. Yeah, yeah. I, rem- I remember and, uh, coming in one night from Monday night class, and I think you guys had been there all day. This is so clear in my mind, and and you brought us in to show us we were only kids you brought us in to show us um the whole auditorium with no seats and the and the tree i lost with the tree in the in the foyer i remember passing in there because sometimes we didn't use that space for teaching so it was so exciting to be out in this part of the building and you brought us in and all the chairs were gone and i remember thinking oh my god it was was mad and we were rehearsing for ding dong in that area in that space in that space that was a great show ding dong yeah
2: yeah it was it was it was an exciting time as well because there was a real a real fresh new beginning moving forward at that stage as well with and, and i suppose it was all to do with with the show and and the building and like the new permanent home that yes. we were going to have from there on in yes. yeah. and um and certain things like any you know, like in the middle of rehearsals we actually moved from one place to the other do you know what I mean oh yeah
1: yeah so yeah.
2: like it was, it was all it was all part of like and all of a sudden you were you were in this new space and trying to get used to it a new studio a, a big studio that we never had before. We just had a, kind of a, a small, it yeah. was called a rehearsal room, like, which was, it, was it was more like a hall. It was hall. a small room, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a pass-through. You passed through it, like, going somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, yeah, so there was a lot of excitement around that time there was.
0: Um, and now, kind of fast-forwarding slightly to to where we are now. Um, obviously, we're on Zoom in the middle of a pandemic, uh, yeah. the pandemic, the never-ending pandemic. Uh, but. When you became artistic director, was it 15 years ago, I think now? Um, you know, outside of that role and and leading up to that role, what do you think was your has been your biggest challenge to date? I mean, maybe that's that is not part of being the AD, maybe it's before that, but there there are, you know, there's stuff you come up against. Shimsa has this. Long history. The artistic director is is a big, yeah. it's a big role. You're you're a leader of sorts of many parts of the. So, what do you think has been your biggest challenge to date?
2: Well, every day is a challenge. <laughs> every day. But look, again, I, I said a bit of tongue in cheek in that one. That's look, that's the magic bit, I suppose. And that's the magic. And I say that like as 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 being in the arts and all I get, like that, yeah. like every day. Because if days like if days aren't a challenge, like look, it, it's then it becomes a, an ordinary job, we call it for want of a word. I mean um I mean like when you when you think about like that when you really break it down, you think of like that your job, your job is supposed to be go into studio with like-minded people and 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 play basically play around the place like it's it's bananas I bananas when you think about it that's what what your role is supposed to be do you know what I
1: mean
2: yes. um but it's such such like as i said there but when in the early days when we had time to that yes. such an important part of the role um and i suppose again particularly where the world is at the moment you mentioned the pandemic and all
1: yes.
2: uh and what the whole world is going through like no it's, there's, there's not enough there's not enough play time do you know I mean for everyone not even in the arts outside of that um and like, I suppose the matt yeah, when you mentioned the magnitude of the role, yeah, look, it is, um, and look, you, you alluded to there as well, like, you no, know, one, one of the main things, I suppose, is is the history, that history that comes with it like that, like, I would never, I would never, ever have seen myself in this role, like, you know, younger, like, and even 15 years ago, I would never have seen myself in the role, do you mean, but again, you kind of, <laughs> like like everybody else, I kind of fell into it, you know, mm-hmm. um, and because, yeah, it would have been, I would have been, I was acting director for like six months, I think, and then wasn't. And then I was back in for I think it was active for a year and a half before eventually being uh, appointed to it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, but it is it is a big role because again, simple reason like I said, that that history, that's 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 that that story, there's such a story behind you. Yeah. Um, and all of us look at it, everyone everyone's involved in that. Because like and I, I, I've always held like the people that come before me. I've always held them, have had great respect for them, um, and they be our founding members, and everyone else since since then. Like no, Bob, after the founding members, and, and since since that day, everyone who has, who has, I suppose, um, contributed to the storage. I mean, like that, you hold them, you hold, you hold great respect for these people, right? for, for what they've done. Without them, we wouldn't be where we are, and what exactly. where we are. Like I mean, yeah. Um, but. And it's kind of a big button. Once it's like no, like that you you can't you can't live in their shadow. That's yeah. the other side of it. I mean, you you, you just can't. Uh, you have to move on. You have to move forward with with what we all believe in what you believe in yourself,
1: yeah.
2: um and what the current members believe in. That's mm-hmm. so so important. Yeah. um But you still have to keep that ethos and that spirit of, of what started the whole thing back in the sixties. Like no, that that has to be in your mind, in your heart, and you have to bring that with you. Yeah. Um, you, you you always have to be respectful of what was given to you. Yes, I mean you always have to. But you have responsibility as well. You you have to be you have to you have the responsibility of ensuring that what you have been given has to be passed on to the next generation. Like i have always saying, like we're we're only we're only we're only holding it for a while. I mean, yeah. it's it's not it doesn't belong to us. No. Um, like it, this tradition, this culture is not like we we've to we've to mind it and, and, and pass it on again. So there's a there's a big responsibility in that like and, and again the magnitude of the role like you no know, kind of that, that lands on your shoulders then as well.
1: Yes. Um
2: that that's that you're I suppose you're conscious of that. Yeah the, the history of it certainly does weigh but like you have to you have to move on from it. You have to move Indeed. on from that as well. Because you can't you can't keep if you keep looking back you're you're not going to go forward or exactly. you'll crash into something or you you yeah. you won't get the right way. You have to it's there. Be respectful of it, um, be mindful of us. Yeah. Bring it with you, but don't keep looking back at it.
0: Yeah, lovely. Um, within the artistic director, you know, role, you mentioned that you kind of fell into the job. I mean, we we uh <clears throat> we we joke about this, you know, that oh, you know, I just we just keep doing the thing because it's what we do, you know, and there's a sense of that with Seems as well, it's just what we do. But within the, the role, I suppose you've directed a good number of shows now over the last 15 years. Was there anything that you under you know kind of underestimated? Oh yeah, that that we'll we'll be able we'll be able to do that as a company. And then you know you get to that point and you're like, okay, this, this might not work, or we have to change tack, or we have to change route. Was there any particular thing within the role that you might have underestimated? That's
2: a good question. Yeah, yes, and no, I suppose, in one sense, um, because like the, the way we produce shows um it can be very different from from a lot of, a lot of the other companies in that like you, you basically start with a blank page and, and you know this from, from working as well like you, you don't have your script you don't have, have anything to go with like so you have to start and like so many times down through the years with with different shows like you could be months into it yeah
1: um
2: and then you just have to, and then th- that light bulb moment goes off or something and you kind of say okay that's we have to change this show like the Moriarty show I, as you mentioned there, when we were doing Moriarty, we had done a lot of work a year before that, where this I can't remember what the show was about, but it had nothing to do with John Moriarty.
1: Yeah.
2: I you mean? And we were working with Michael Harding at the time. I think we had to, we had to put the show back for a year for some reason. I can't remember why why the reason was now again. But yeah. we but it was it was good that we did that because it gave us that extra time, and the, the show completely changed shape and changed direction, yeah. and it became all about John Moriarty, and it, it ended up as that show. Um, but a lot of the stuff we do. You have so much stuff on the wall and in the in the book and all, like, and so much of it doesn't even get next to near the stage or even next or near the rehearsal stage. When you have a strong strong team around with you, it gives you, I suppose it gives you courage and it gives you that confidence that, okay, if we need to change, then we can change, do you know what I mean? So if you feel something isn't working, Mm-hmm. like again that's the beauty of not having a script and not following a script you're not trying to tell that exact story that you have to be true to what was said you, we have you have the freedom to actually change tarman actually just just we're talking about there one one thing comes into my head there was one particular part in the show to the dream sequence you'll probably remember that when we're talking about it too and literally i think two nights before opening night it was actually michael harding was the the playwright and and I I think we all felt that it wasn't working, do you know what I mean? And Michael came in the next morning, he said, okay, that's not working. I was up last night and I rewrote the whole thing. Yes. So as in that scene. And I remember we started from scratch that day.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: And and devising that scene again.
1: That's right. And we thought
2: of that night to the cast when they came in. Yeah. So like within one day, there was a 15-minute segment that just completely changed and shifted two days before opening like that. They're scary moments, but again, they're the great moments that you will look back at and say, Wow, that was yeah,
0: yeah, and I think you know that like you talk there about how we don't have we don't often work with script and that focus so broad, and when you're devising something, that can be a blessing and it can be a curse, you know, because it can be what your imagination imagines it to be, but then it's also like, oh, I just wish somebody would tell me what it is. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it it it's that it's that thing of of having too much room and having too much information. Like I always find the hardest thing to do is actually bring it down to, to to make it very clear and i suppose that that'd be one of the roles i i would have as well in making sure that because again with the team around like no you're going to get a hundred ideas coming in flowing into from the room like that and then you have all this going around your head and you're just go, okay right what do we lose here what do we because you, you can't use everything do you mean but you use a- aspects of of all things that yeah. kind of come together like no but it's all just about finding that one that little path that little that that narrow yeah. path you have to follow like no so that, that that you'll connect with your audience at the end of the day otherwise like you lose you lose the plot of the story you, you lose the plot yourself as well like to mean yeah, exactly. yeah so one um thing, but it's yeah it's finding that yeah
0: one of the things that we um you know we often we we use all the time is the monix style of Irish dance and I think down through the years you know you you whether you know it or not you've be kind of become the go-to guy when it comes to monix. Um, and I think that, you know, that the piece you, that beautiful film you made with um, Tom Hannafin for Trad Ireland, the Fun Shi, this the source of your inspiration and the source that you that you made about Monix. It really kind of um, kind of solidified the whole thing in my head anyway, as to where where Monix is now and where it has come from and the history behind it. So maybe for people listening who don't know about Monix or or how important it is to shimsa and to the national folk theater and um, you might just explain a little bit about the style and and um and and why, why Shimsa is the is the carrier of it I suppose going forward as well
2: that piece I suppose you that, that you said there like i, I suppose it, that kind of again goes back to the having the little bit of space and time to do it like to be able to have have a little space to do that piece itself like that but again be very natural about it and, and it, when it when we did get into it when we started to put it together. It kind of came easy in one sense, because like it was when you're talking about and doing something that you love and you know, it's 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 much easier, do you know I mean? to, to do yeah. something like that. But yeah, getting back to your, your point the style itself, um, yeah, it's it's very, very important. Um one one thing that, again this that sticks out <laughs> that that put a put a put a weight in my shoulders at one stage was um and I'm not sure I I I don't know how have, have I this have I told this to anyone or before, like that, was when 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 Pat Hearn or our, our foreign director was retiring. He um he called me into the office uh one day in in around that time like that. And uh he was just talking about that and he was moving on about all this. And he says, um he says, No that I'm retiring. He says, he says, uh the, the North Kerry dance style. He says, he says, it, it's now in your hands to you mean Well. Wow. Um and he has I don't think I ever said that to him before, like to me, was he's one that these kind of things and like I kind of say jesus i need to grow up quick here
1: yeah, <laughs> it yeah. kind of it,
2: it does these things you know yeah,
1: yeah
2: um i have to be responsible for something i think it is something i have taken on board do you mean um and i do because i i i do love that style and from my own my my own story as such like that is is like I, the competitive scene and all that scene of of, of irish dancing was never really it, it never really appealed to me i mean so i always and when i kind of came on this like True Sheemson and I suppose looking back then like True Jimmy Hickey who teaches in that style as well. Yeah. Um, that's always been part of me as well and part of, of who I am and, and being from North Kerry and, and all of that, I think it feeds into it. But the style itself then, like we find teaching um, and doing, we're doing a lot of it these days I suppose on, on, on Zoom and things like that people are always interested in the, in, the, in the history of it and where these steps are coming from and, and where they're taught and who they come from. So I usually kind of put it in my own story. Yeah. It kind of gives them a context like that of, of the line back. Like, so I say, OK, I'm teaching you now. So what I would have learned from, right, from Jimmy Hickey, um, I would have learned through Shimsa, obviously, as well, um, through Pat Hearn, through my, my aunt, who, who were involved in, in, uh, and, and linked back to to, to Munich style. Um, Jimmy Hickey would have been taught by Liam deneen Liam deneen would have been taught by Jerry Monix, And Jerry Monix was the kind of guy who um who is supposed to known to have, have have shaped the style. How he has become so important to, to us in james' we have these fabulous recordings of his pupils, mm-hmm. of the likes of Jack Lyons, Bally Bunin, of um Paddy White, uh, John McCarthy, who would have performed in Ding Dong with us. Um you uh all, all these people, uh, Phil Cahill, Sean Cahill, um, and we have the recordings of them, and we've studied them all through our lives, and oh, like become really got to know them. But from a historical point of view, it goes back much harder. It goes way beyond that again. Jerry Monix was taught by Ned Bat Welsh, and again in my own story, Ned Bat welch was actually a great great granduncle of my wife Jean.
1: Oh wow! I mean,
2: again, craziness like I yeah. mean, you just don't. Again, it didn't know that till for for years after. Yeah. Um, and Ned Bat Welsh was taught by Tom Moore again, and the Tom Moore story is again a fascinating one. That's kind of what of the show we did. Tarman was kind of based on, in one sense, was him. Um, because again, if you look at the, the like the, the high regard these dance masters were held in. Yes. Like we, we again we're lucky we have a copy of his death certificate. And he died in a workhouse in the stall after the after the famine. Mm-hmm and if you look it down there's a list of, of all the people who had died at the time like and like there's the name where they were from their occupation and most of them are like our labor labor laborers wife you mean child all these things like that and then in the middle of all this dance master yeah. like it's just one of those things like can kind of say wow i mean that's there was such a pride in having that title that it it's on his death yeah. certificate, beside everyone else like that
1: Lovely.
2: um tom Moore would have been taught by um or O'Kerran's guy from uh, kind of Castle area, I think. Um, and that there's I don't think it's been proven, like I was a lot of talk that he was actually a circus performer and he traveled around, and that's where it kind of came to the North Kerry area as well then and right. it would have been carried on. Do you I mean? And mo- no one has ever really traced Irish dancing back far than that, in, in its form, I suppose, and it's like all of it kind of comes back into, into the North Kerry area. Again, I mean like that. So it's hugely, hugely important. And the other side of it is, like, if you go back 30, 40 years ago, like all a lot of regions around Ireland would have had at their own local style. I mean, like, uh, you would have had the North Kerry style, you would have had the Cork style, the Dublin, Belfast, Donegal, all these places. And I remember I would have, I would have gone to some feshes in England, kind of watching, and people would always say, "Oh, they're the Northern dancers," you no, know, they're they're. Donegal dances, you knew the kind of style You mean they had, but I suppose with, because the world has got so small, um, where all, everything is accessible to us, like you now we can find everything on stage and on, on, on computers now.
1: Yeah.
2: All the younger ch- children that are learning seem to be learning a very similar style. It's all the one kind of style. Yeah. So these regional styles have died out, mm. and a lot of them don't exist anymore, with the exception of what we're doing in North Kerry. I mean so that's why it's so so important yeah. to for us to hang on to it um to keep teaching keep passing it on keep developing it because we yes. we're creating new material in this as well in the style within the style okay. um and we use that so like from a heritage point of view like if we weren't doing it
1: yeah
2: where would it be no right it might be on a recording someplace it might be stored in a in a library or a, yeah. a shelf somewhere like that but it wouldn't be used like there's, no. there's young children coming into us from the age of seven the eight years of age and they're learning steps
0: that are over 100 years old i know it's such and it's what it, a yeah. what a gift that is you know because it's like a living it's a living it's living heritage it's not something as you say that's just on a film or in a glass box mm-hmm. or in a museum it's a living a living thing a living yeah. tradition um, yeah,
2: it's been thought, it, it kind of sums up it kind of sums up the whole Shamesa story in one sense, mm-hmm. and, and why what we're doing, like we're passing on these traditions, these these cultures, all these skills to other people. Do I you mean? Yeah. So like, if you put if you put all, the whole Shamesa story in one little aspect of the dance, that's kind of it. It's mm-hmm. making sure that the next generation, like as I said earlier, they're like we have the responsibility to pass on what we got. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that whole thing of, of of passing on the next generation, and and like they can go where they want to put it and, and grow it and develop it and, yeah. and again I'm often asked that like people often ask me like no when it comes to the, the, the North carry style like how does it sit with you with people changing it and doing things like that that's I for me that's part of the tradition I mean that you get something and you do what you want with it now you say that though you say that okay this mm-hmm. is inspired by or I got this from and I'm doing something else with it like that you don't go on and claim oh this is how it was done no, if you want to do that, yeah. you do it how it was done. Do I you mean? But you take it and you do it with yourself. You're like, yeah, because that's part. Because, like, like any any artist, like a musician, a dancer, a singer, whatever. Like, if you're taught something, you're never going to do it the same way as your no. you're teaching. You're going to interpret yourself. If you don't interpret yourself and embody it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, then then you're not doing the justice and you're not doing yourself justice. So.
0: And you're not being inspired by it, exactly.
2: No, no. Yeah.
0: Um, I'd love to talk a little bit about Anam as well, the show that you were um you performed in and also mm. co-created and co-directed. Um, and it was very much along that lines of of sort of mm. looking back at the dance and and making it making something new from it as well, you know, and collaborating with these amazing, these amazing men.
2: Where are you gonna start with that one? Thanks <laughs> for yeah. that.
0: It, it's a lovely it's a it's an important thing to talk about too because I think maybe it was a while since since you had um well from from what I could see watching you perform in it you it really enjoyed it and you kind of it, it was very representative of who you are as a as a performer and as a dancer yeah. and, and as an artistic director as well
2: yeah so like it get it very quickly but it was a long time in the process I mean into a long time in the head for five six years maybe because it was always something I, I kind of wanted to look into and delve into a little bit more um the, the north kerry style obviously from my own point of view being so important was, was was always going to be there so that was the number one thing in but what i wanted to do was look at other styles and see okay what what could we do with bringing three or four or five different styles of irish dancing together now it started as irish dancing because i was th- i was thinking more of the regional styles within ireland
1: sure.
2: do you mean but as I, as I said then i kind of yeah. followed that for a while and it wasn't really there what i was looking for do you mean so i started looking outside of there then um and uh the connemara Shano, shano's, the shanos dancing style was 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 part of the initial the initial workings i suppose of it um and there was, it was a couple of people I had I had, I had met I had met Joss Napton from, um, uh, from 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 Canemar there, and uh, he I invited him to to work for a weekend we said we'd come together for a weekend and we went to Limerick actually like that just to see what would happen this the very very early stages I had I had I had seen um, this other dancer Nick Garris um, at the Dublin Fringe Festival uh, a couple of years earlier. And he, he, I suppose he, his original style was was flat-footing or buck dancing, I think they call it, in the, in the States. But he had, he had learned a lot of different styles um, over time. And he, he'd, he'd almost created his own out of this. like And uh, percussive dance was his, was his kind of thing. So I invited Nick along as well. And then I had seen this YouTube clip of these other two guys dancing. And when I saw it, first of all, I had absolutely no idea what it was, what kind of style it was. It was like, it was almost like, to me, it looked like Chanos on steroids. I mean, it was, it was just, it was just bananas watching it. I had no idea what it was. I had sent messages to this, onto this YouTube clip to who, who were there? What was it? What was it? And it was actually one night in, it was here in Tralee, actually. I was sitting down with, um, Nick Garris was down. He was doing a piece for us in Tralee in, on the theater. And Colin Dunn was directing the piece with him. I mean, so the three of us were over in the, in, in the Brandon Hotel after the show chatting away. And I just happened to mention about this and they said, oh, they're the Pulaski brothers. I said, who? Oh, they're Canadian. It's Canadian style of dance. Oh, I said, all right. I said, do you have a contact for him? I said, well, one of them, Nathan lives in, in uh, Letterfrack in Connemara. I said, what? So I got a contact from them and got onto Nathan and Nathan joined us. So there was four of us in the room um, at the start uh, and we spent the weekend just, just messing around stuff like not and seeing where to go. And then it kind of after that like there was some moments in it like but after that then it kind of had went into the back the back of the mind again until a couple of years later um and i had i was working with uh it was julia Cruthers, first of all um in the um dublin dance festival and uh we we were trying to, to work out how we could how we could actually do something with the show and then julia moved on and um and a new director came in and i was approached again about doing something with this show for Dublin Dance Festival so we got together anyway and as it turns out Joseph wasn't available the next time and uh Nick wasn't available so again I hit back onto YouTube and I came across this guy Matthew Allwell. um and the first person I got onto was Nick I says I've come across this Matthew Allwell. do you know him I know him well I know him very well he taught me blah, 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 all this thing so Matthew was was based in the states so I got Matthew over as well um, well in the meantime, I had, I started working with, with Sue Ellen, Sue Ellen McCarthy in Cork would work, we'd, we'd work with, she's a choreographer, Australian choreographer who we'd worked with before. And because she's a, a vast knowledge of tap as well and rhythm, she would be very good because I, because being in the show, I needed someone to, to be the outside eye to kind of direct as well. Um, so I spent, we spent about two months, like every Friday, I drive down to, to West Cork to Sue Ellen, and we literally sat down and we planned out the roadmap of what the show was going to be. No, we would no choreography done. We would nothing like that done. We just planned it out. So then um, the the dancers came over, and then we brought in musicians. Brought in Fergal Fergal Murkoff, um, and he brought in uh, two other musicians with him, Mikey Smith and um, Joe McNulty, and and I brought in also brought in John Fitzgerald, John who would have been one of our own dancers like that, but who would have been a world champion competitive yes. dancer like that. So all of a sudden, what we had was we had the North Kerry style. We had the American flatfoot. We had the Appalachian, um, the, sorry, flatfoot and Appalachian. that would be the, the similar, similar one, I that. And then we had the Ottawa Valley style. We had the four styles, and we had the musicians. And within two weeks, we put the show together. Then, so it was very compact, like. And uh, but the great thing about it really was, and it was only after when I look back at it, not once through the process, like did we actually think about the audience, mm-hmm. which was, when I look back, like was so refreshing to be able to do that to just create the piece do what we wanted to do yeah and it turned out the way it was like and look it 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 has gone down very well i think i think it's got a standing ovation every single night has gone on
1: which is brilliant great to see it yeah
2: yeah but but it's very simple i mean it's actually quite simple um there's nothing complicated about it um in in his presentation it's literally seven people on stage doing what they do so yeah. that was always yeah. the idea just keep it so so simple like we did we did cross over the styles a little bit yeah. but we were conscious like no there was no way i could start learning ottawa valley style like and do it to, to a level that's that nathan has been doing all his life like it'd be disrespectful to do that yeah, we learned a couple there's a couple of steps in the middle where we did just join together like that but um we're just very kind con- that became clear very very quickly that that was never going to never going to be part of it you know what i mean okay
0: so. Um, you mentioned uh, back a little bit further about the the luxury that i suppose what you call time the luxury of time that you had uh, when when you were first in the core group and we were you were creating and, and making work and teaching and and i think that's something you know that's interesting today because of uh, the enforced pause we'll call it or, or the stop that we've had to make since i think uh, a year today actually today maybe was the day that we we left building and and didn't know what was ahead of us i suppose and this this enforced pause and you know at the start it was like okay there's there's time and some you know some might argue you can have too much time and you can have too little time this enforced pause has given us as a team i think a lot of time to think about where we want to go and what we want to do and and and, you know i think everything is changing it'll be pre-pandemic and it'll be post-pandemic the world will be a different place so thinking about that what what would be your your hopes and aspirations for Shimsa, the whole of Shimsa as a company, you know, going forward into this kind of what we call brand new world?
2: If I have to answer that, I think the pandemic will have to continue for about another 10 years, Joe. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no thanks. There's,
2: there's so much t- so much time.
1: Yes, indeed. So
2: much time needed for that. But um no, you're, you're right. Like, I mean, look, look. a year ago, yeah, you're absolutely dead right. I mean, a year ago, it, it all kind of kicked off for us, um, where we had to cancel, like, probably 200 shows or something like that, at that, at that stage, postpone or cancel. Um, it was difficult. Look, it was difficult everyone, and I'm, I'm completely aware of that, like, but, well, it, it was, it wasn't difficult, I suppose. When, when you do look back on it, and look back in last summer in particular, like, at, at the start was, at the start, was almost like a holiday because we had three or four weeks there when we were in a severe lockdown of gorgeous weather. Like, and I spent most of my time out in the garden. Like, you'd go, you'd have breakfast in the garden, you'd have dinner in the back. You, all the time, you were out there. Like, do you mean we had a bit of time in our hands? The, the easier part of it, I suppose, and and what it has given us is so much more than what it has taken away. I think.
1: Mm. Do you know what
2: I mean? Because, right? It it was the first summer since since I joined like full time, like mm. that's what almost 32 years ago mm. that I had that kind of time in my hands. i mean are all of us had that kind of time in our hands um and unheard of especially during the summer to have that um because yes certainly to stop so suddenly was a shock real shock to the system and it's like you have to kind of get used to that and i don't think you'd ever would like when you're working the way we work all your life do you mean but it it does and it did give me an awful lot of time to to kind of think and reevaluate everything lots of things like james and yourself personally as well like jamin I mean, um and i'll be honest with you is our 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 good friend our old friend john Moriarty was living in my head for months i mean um i took out the old recordings ahead of him as well and the, these and i was playing lots of stuff with him and and but he was there living and, and living in my head and there's one particular story you probably know the story i'm going to, I'm going to talk about i know not even going to attempt to tell it the end of us the end of the story really was basically that and he, when he says we've come so far so fast that we need to sit down and wait for our souls to catch up with us okay now that is something that has always resonated with me and i know a lot more people as well and like like how true is that like when you when you do look at it now like like worldwide people i think i think worldwide people should heed this like no we've, we've become so commercial so driven to become to be successful to meet deadlines with money and power and and even approval I mean that has become such such a burden I think on everyone and not just our, not just people in the arts league, but everyone like us that we've we've we really have forgotten how to live and we've forgotten how to enjoy life and to make time for others and for ourselves um and a, a word that's a lot that's that's thrown around a lot within teams as well, like no time to be ourselves mm-hmm. you know I mean and not to pretend or try to be like someone else in that sense you know I mean um and, and 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 all this like would certainly be would certainly to be true, I think, in Chimps' perspective, um, that we've become so focused on delivering the product. And b- by this, in one sense, what I mean, I like can say we look at, at at the beast of what we call the summer season. Do you mean? Because it's like we all know that everything everything we do, everything we do, or in particular last eight to 10 years, like, it has been so consuming like that every single thing we do feeds into that. All our training feeds into that. Any new shows, we kind of most of the time it's it's based around that so it's you are kind of put into this particular area where you have to produce a certain type of show like that you I mean and like when you have to sit down and reevaluate that you kind of have to look and say okay I like you have to take a step back here from this basically like sit down and let your soul catch up with you again and give you give you that space and give you that that place where you where you where you have time and as you said there like when I joined first of all you have that time to think you have that time to be creative you have I think we'd all be in a better place if we can if we can kind of do that and do you mean look at things look at look at the bigger picture rather than just driven to the one thing all the time yeah
1: you know
2: I think I think that's that's important going forward do you mean yeah um because because yeah there's a lot there's there yeah there's lots of things we have to look at going forward um because this pandemic is going to change everything
1: yeah
2: and it has changed everything already and as you said it's it's not going to be the same. Once no. we get out of this it's no. going to take a while to get out of it but i it's never going to be seen. and you know what in one sense in one sense i hope it's not because like there's no point in there's no point in just returning to what no. what, we, what we did do we have to we have to do something move on and do something different so I, I i think look and i know an awful lot of people have suffered because of this and people have died and lost their lives because of this and lost their jobs and, and and people are really suffering with lockdown and all like that. but like i think we have to look at it as an opportunity in one sense as well to to, to really look at ourselves and
1: yeah
2: and see okay where do we need to go and what do we need to do to, to make it make it a better a better shimsa and a better place for yes. and a better world for all of us, you know. Indeed.
0: Lovely. Sounds great. Thank you. Thanks for your time and I will see you soon.
2: Yeah. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening to our podcast which was edited by Tom Hannifin. For further information on Sheem Satira and our new and upcoming work, head over to our website, www.sheemsatira.com. You will also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is the last episode in this current series. Watch this space for future podcast offerings. And until next time, bye bye.